From 104.5, The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now, Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Welcome in. Good Sunday morning to you. Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone. Do it every week. We talk pro wrestling here on The Zone along with David Reed, along with Brandon Hagney. I'm Jason Martin. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. You can find us and follow us there. Coming in with the Undisputed Era music, Roderick Strong, your new North American champion in NXT. whole lot of things happened in WWE this week in terms of good, bad, and otherwise, and we're going to discuss those, but I actually think we can go... Uh, we can do this sort of backwards in terms of chronologically. NXT is the most recent thing that we all saw, the debut on Wednesday night, and then to the WWE Network for those that didn't have a lot of errors in trying to watch parts of that. I only watched, guys, the first hour because I felt like, and I know what's happened. I, I figured out what happened. I listened to some people tell me, but I wanted to see it from the perspective of where I thought most people did because I think a lot of people didn't go to the WWE Network and they saw the first hour of the program. Which I'm, by the way, like I know you you mentioned briefly the errors. I didn't really have any errors, but literally ever, ever since this update, this yeah, total bad. this total change that they've done, the facelift that they did on the WWE Network, I have to log in every single mm-hmm. time. It's bad. And it's, it's bad. And, like, the keyboard is totally not user-friendly, and it's just – it takes me, like, at least a minute and a half to actually log in, and it's annoying. Yeah. So, just wanted to get that But a lot of, of people couldn't actually see the first half of the second hour of NXT at all for various reasons, which means they didn't see Pete Dunne. They didn't see Walter's first appearance uh, as he showed up in the second hour as well. But to the first hour of the program, because I think there was some good and there was some bad here. They opened up with, this is not designed to sound like a slight. They opened up with a fatal four-way women's match that was a six-minute spot fest. I mean, it was just as fast as it could be, spots all over the place. And this is what I thought, guys. And I actually think it was complimentary to them in one respect. This felt like WCW opening a show with the cruiserweights to open people's eyes. That's the same exact thing I thought. It felt like, but the only thing about that that you can take negatively is the cruiserweights early were kind of gimmicks to get you into the door before the stuff that mattered would take place. Women for years and years and decades in American wrestling were gimmicks, and they weren't things that you could do all the time. Now they are. I think that there was a two-pronged assault here. One, they knew these four women could work. To some degree, two of them really can work, and third one's pretty good, and the fourth one's... Mia Yim. Yes. And they wanted a good spot fest. They wanted... I think they... I think Candice LeRae has a chance to be a really, really big star, and I knew she was going to win as soon as the match started. It's just like, it's the only thing that makes sense because Shane is a champion, and she's a baby face. the only person in that match who has not faced Shane. That match was more or less designed to, to go straight from what you would expect on Monday and Tuesday, which is a 15- or 20-minute interview segment, to just go straight into the matches, give us a spot fest, put a baby face over, and get you to notice somebody. And then they bring out the champion, and then it's three people standing there around her, and she's standing there, and then you move on from that. Overall, 
I thought that that was fine. It was, I thought maybe they would open up with Adam Cole or they might open up with a bigger star, but instead they were just like, nope, NXT's generally always been about the matches, so here's a four-way after Triple H did his look like it was a video, but actually it was just like him telling a Are You Afraid of the Dark Nickelodeon story with a flashlight and then walking out into the – and he's done that before. Like I know a lot of people sort of rolled their eyes at the first thing you saw on NXT's first episode on USA was Triple H's face. It's his thing, man. I mean, his face was the first thing you saw at the very first takeover or arrival, I think is what it was actually called. His face, like the first time they took a takeover outside of Full Sail when they went to Brooklyn. It was Triple H in the ring. Like, that's just, at this point, that's what you should expect. And really, he's done such a good job. He's a baby face every time you see him down there because he's you know face. he's so responsible. He's a baby face at NXT. Yeah, for everything he's done, he's like a hero down there. They gave him a huge ovation, and then, like, he basically said, here they are, and then he disappeared. Like, he didn't go in the ring and cut some long promo. He talked for a minute, and then it was time to bring the women. Well, it's time to go to Mauro Ronaldo first and then go ahead and get into the show. Which I know we'll get into this later on when we talk about Clash of Champions. And, you know, your mileage on whether or not you like the NXT booth may vary. You know, Beth Phoenix is still learning the role. I thought she was better. She did not bother me on Wednesday night. Nigel's awesome. absolutely did not bother me. Nigel was fantastic. Nigel is phenomenal as a color man. By far, WWE's best color man. And Morrow is by far WWE's best play-by-play guy, even if he turns it up to about 14 when great he needs con- to be great, in a 10. Great comparison made by Bruce Mitchell of the Pro Wrestling Torch this week when he said, here's what Morrow Ronaldo is. Morrow Ronaldo is Robin Williams doing stand-up. Some of his references are going to be super corny and they aren't going to work for you, but don't worry, seven seconds later, one might hit. Like, he's just going to keep on going, and he's going to have all this energy. And it's like, if you're not feeling one minute, he's going to come back, and he's going to hook you back in the next minute. So it's not like he slam dunks every single thing that he does, but he's also vastly different than the robotic nature of Tom Phillips and Michael Cole and all of the people that you see on the main roster. And you also don't get – like, Nigel and Beth Phoenix aren't bickering like an old married couple, which is – Nigel knows how to get a wrestling match over. Holy crap. Like, and I know you pointed this out on Twitter when you were live tweeting Clash of Champions, but Corey Graves, man. Dude, he sucks. It's, it's, I can't handle it anymore. He obviously has the capability to be a pretty good professional wrestling uh, color commentator because we've seen it. But right now, what they're telling him to do or what he's doing sucks. And Renee's, and Renee's not good either, by the way, just to point that out. This should be a cautionary tale to Corey Graves. Every wrestler or anyone in that organization who has been affiliated with Carmella in any way, shape, or form has not it's not come it's not been a good outcome for them. It's tough for Cass. Our truth? Cass is hurting Cass. right now. That's our, that our story Our truth our truth would be our truth with me out there in that outfit. Fair. Yeah. No one wants to see that. No one wants to yeah, see that. Yeah I'm glad that. we don't have to see that. When I, <laughs> back to the Triple H thing right quick though. When I saw that, the first thing that come to my mind was this is the WWE saying, don't worry, Triple H is still in charge oh, of yeah. NXT. No, no doubt. That show felt like NXT on WWE Network always has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was not a takeover feel to it. There Except was got, a TV, and you did get like a 25-minute. You got Cameron Grimes in the second segment. Yeah, Trevor Lee. Most, most people have no idea who that guy yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, he's a dude from North Carolina that was a superb indie worker. Um that is incredible. He's really, really good. And it was a 10 second 
the comparison, this is a comparison, Dave. You'll know exactly what this is. When Magnum TA debuted, Dusty Rhodes booked him in a way where he won every match within 10 seconds with a belly-to-belly suplex, and it made people take note of him. Cameron Grimes is from North Carolina. They're telling a story of like a Southern guy with long hair who can work. And so they're letting him hit this one move and beat people, and that's what they're going to do because they're basically trying to pay tribute to the way they got Magnum TA over as a strong babyface from that part of the country. Yeah, I'm okay with it, but I just thought, I mean, I thought that you would come out, and to their credit, though, they they stayed on brand for what NXT is. I thought they would come out with the biggest stars Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the show. Oh, yeah. But they stay true to who they are, and I really don't have a problem with that. No, and then you get to the main, and, I mean, they showed a couple video packages. They showed uh, Damian Priest, who I guess was Punishment Martinez back in the day. He was in this studio. We interviewed him uh, several months back, and they showed another one as well, another one of those kind of vignette deals. I thought that they did a good job. They of, did one. Uh, they kind of did like a highlight reel to promote that. Keith Lee and Donovan, yeah. they gave them a, a little bit of a rub. Dijakovic. And then, yeah, yeah, I keep saying Dijak because I go yeah, back to his Ring of Honor right. days. But you get to the main event. I thought they did a good job of just kind of, here's Roderick Strong preparing for the match, and here's Velveteen looking in the mirror. Um, and then they got to their match. And you looked at the time. You said, okay, they're going to let them just have a real match. It's probably going to be a couple commercial breaks. And there were. This is what I got watching that match. It was about getting Velveteen Dream over for the crowd that had not seen him before. And it was also about, I never thought about it this way. Roderick Strong is NXT's Cesaro. He's a perfect carpenter that works fantastically in the ring, that is strong for his size. He doesn't have the size of Cesaro, but he's going to make anybody he works look very good and is never going to be the focal point of anything that's going on. That's that's why he's a, he's a perfect carpenter. So he's in there doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and Velveteen is hanging with him. And Velveteen's still got a ways to go, but he's getting better. And he's only going to continue to get better because he's so young. So you put him in there with somebody you're guaranteed to have a good match with. And then by the end of the show, okay, here's our four horsemen. They've all got championships to end this first show. Sure, you can put Velveteen Dream over, and I think that that would have made just as much sense. But Velveteen doesn't need the North American championship. He doesn't need any championship. Roderick Strong matters with the title, doesn't matter without it. And you've got the idea of... You know, Tully's got the TV title, and Orrin's got the U.S. championship, and Flair's got the world title. Like, you're getting this heel faction over in the first show to people that have never laid eyes on him. Like, okay, these four guys are, you know, are there for each other. And I do think it was a fantastic false finish with him kicking out of that after they showed up distracted, got that heartache or whatever moved mm-hmm. off the suplex backbreaker, and he kicked out of that the first time. It's like, oh, okay. I'm not surprised that he lost. If it had been him standing tall at the end of the show, that would have been fine. It but also I think they of, got him over. It also sort sympathy. of gift wraps uh, Adam Cole's next feud. Yes. Because, I mean, I, I don't see, like, like I agree with you. I don't think Velveteen Dream needed the North American Championship. Quite frankly, it's probably time for him to step up and start chasing the NXT Championship. Right. And I think that that's what that segment set out to accomplish more so than anything. Right. I thought the match was very good. Yeah. I enjoyed it a right. lot. Man. Velveteen selling that crab was unbelievable to me. Like, I've seen some good sell jobs in the past few weeks. Cedric Alexander is unbelievable at the way he sells, and now he's selling being buried, which we'll talk about. But 
Velveteen Dream sells really effectively. And you had made a point maybe last month, Brandon, that I kind of like in my head, I was like, I sort of disagree with this. But then I watched it on Wednesday, and I think I might have come around a little bit more. Like a double axe handle off the top rope is a double axe handle off the top rope. It doesn't wow me. But I will say that Wednesday I liked those double axe handles a lot more. And there have been times when he's just looked like Hogan coming off a rope or Macho Man coming off the rope or something like that. These, especially the one to the floor from the top rope, it was just kind of like something about that really clicked for me. And your point was that you can make the mundane look special, look better than it otherwise would. And I think I'm coming around to that a little bit more than I was when you originally said it. I I put out on Twitter on uh, Wednesday as we were live tweeting this show, I said, you know, Velveteen, and it was meant more as just a sort of a joke and, and maybe a sarcastic shot at Randy Orton, but I said that Velveteen Dream c- combines the smoothness of Randy Orton with actually being interesting, unlike <laughs> Randy Orton. Randy Orton on Twitter is interesting. That joke, only, about Baron Corbin, that joke about Baron Corbin this week, one of the funnier things I've seen in a long time. When, he's, when Baron won the King of the Ring, he's like, yep, he's one of the few that gets it like talking about wrestling and all. And then he's like, I'd like to apologize for that last tweet. I've had too much alcohol. (laughs) That was was absolutely classic. Speaking of Baron Corbin, he is the king of the ring. When we come back, we'll talk about some good things that happened on TV this week and some bad things in a pay-per-view that was sort of, I don't know how we're supposed to feel about that. Also, what did happen in the second hour of NXT and one guy that was not a part of this show and what that means going forward as well. We'll talk about all that. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. David Reed, Brandon Hagney, I'm Jason Martin, Cedric Alexander bringing us back. It's a good thing he feels uh, at home in the dark because there's a lot of dirt around him right now. I don't. Pretty dark in his position. Not that we needed the, the actual official notification of this, but for whatever reason, and Dave Meltzer reported this on Monday night, that Sunday night he was told by people within WWE that Sunday Vince came in and said, I want Cedric Alexander buried. There was no explanation as to why. It's not like Cedric did anything. There's not anything out there about him having heat or anything like that. And so I looked at it and I said, I know exactly why. Because he's main evented a couple of Raws that have not rated well, not because he's in there. They haven't given him a chance to talk at all, despite the fact that he could on the indies. He's not good at reading scripted dialogue, but very few people are, and it would be awesome if they would stop doing that. So he's not getting a chance to talk. He's not that big, and they didn't rate well for a couple of weeks. And Vince is nothing anymore if not uh, he'll push you for three days. If it doesn't work, he's just going to cut bait on you, not pay attention to all the factors that are surrounding it, and then move on. Cedric had a couple of things going against him. He was sort of a cruiserweight. He was small. There are other things that you could go into as well. He just doesn't have the things that Vince wants, so Vince wasn't going to actually... I wonder how much Vince actually even paid attention to him anyway. But throwing that match with him and AJ, he had said on his bucket list was to work AJ Styles, that he always wanted to work AJ Styles. That PWI Magazine tweeted that out when they were saying, great match Sunday. No, it wasn't. The match was like five minutes long, had no story, was a spot fest. On the pre-show. It was a disaster in terms of just helping out somebody. I bet AJ hated it too. I bet he hated doing that to Cedric. And then... 
not only does he beat him, not only does he hit him with a Styles Clash outside, bring him in the ring, one, two, picks him up out of the cover, and then beats him some more, and then pins him, and then Anderson and Gallows come out, and they just dominate him. Oh, well, maybe he'll get his win back on Monday. Nah, he was the one guy, when all that stuff broke down, the Viking Raiders are jumping to the floor and all this, Cedric goes up to try and hit his Hurricane Rana on AJ, caught, gets Styles clashed off the second rope and left for dead. He was buried, and that's what Vince wanted. And so I guess the Cedric Alexander experiment is now officially over, and he goes back to not being on TV at all. I could just... It makes me sick. Uh, listen, maybe it would not. Maybe it wouldn't have worked. You know, may, maybe you give him the United States Championship and the run doesn't go out the way that you were hoping that it would. But the fact that just because some quarter hours were down when he was in, you know, the third hour for two weeks, like that means nothing. No. Like you have been doing weekly television for almost 30 years. And the fact that you were still so panicked, so scared that, oh, I put this person in this position for one week and it didn't work, time to switch gears. Like that's not how you build television. That is not how you build characters. Yeah. That is not how you build draws. No, no. The the reason why you can point to Roman Reigns being a quote unquote draw is because WWE put him in that position not just one week, not just two weeks, four years. Yeah, see let me I, I don't want to intimate this and and accuse this and say that this is the case, Dave, but I feel like that there are a whole lot of people that have gotten a whole lot more chances in the past that have something in common with Vince McMahon that Cedric Alexander does not. And the way that Vince has treated a lot of people that have that thing in common with Cedric Alexander leads me to believe that that was also against Cedric from the very beginning. And I don't think there's a real classy way for me to say that, but I did not like how this smelled at all. I didn't like how this felt at all because I didn't think Cedric Alexander had done anything except impress and sell his butt off for everybody he was in the ring with. At the same time, you could say the same exact thing about Kofi Kingston, though. Like, I mean, let's... I know. Let's not... Of course, we'll, of course we'll Kofi's, about to, Kofi's about to... Let's go ahead and say the quiet part out loud. I mean, yeah, Brock Lesnar's going to take that championship away from Kofi Kingston yes. on, on the very you first episode. I predicted that he was going to cash in money in the bank on the first SmackDown? That's why he didn't need to win money in the bank because he, he could, could just, just show, show up and do this at any time. And that'll be the end of Kofi Kingston's uh, WWE Championship reign. But at the same time, I think you could point to that and say that it's mostly been kind of a success. Like it's of course, not Vince been, was dragged to it because he didn't a, mean to, he didn't mean for Kofi to get over like it's that. It's not been a barn burner success. Like let's be honest, it's not. I mean, he's not been. You know, he's he's not like a huge draw. He's not selling a ton of tickets, selling a ton of merch. But it's been largely a pretty good success story for Kofi Kingston's WWE Championship reign. But at the same, like, it I mean, wouldn't have been if after, you know, after Elimination Chamber, Vince McMahon just decided, no, nah, I'm not putting him in the main event again. Like, the reason why this was kind of successful is that you stuck with it. Yes. But in Cedric, Alec- Cedric Alexander's defense, I think you can take 90% of that roster and put it in that third hour oh, somewhere, and it's not going to have absolutely. good ratings. Because it's the third hour of a show that started off with 50 minutes of a promo. 
And by that time that third hour rolls around, I'm just ready to get to the also, end. Also, they've done nothing in those first two hours to make me care about no. Cedric Alexander being in the third hour. No. And I mean the weeks before. They have not made me interested whatsoever in what he's doing. The only reason I'm watching is because I know how good he is, and I'm happy to see some new blood out there. But look at the guys that they have given up on seemingly and just stopped doing things with this year. Ricochet. Ricochet. Cedric Alexander. Andrade is another guy I think that they've kind of by the way. screwed up. And how about Ali while we're at it, too? Those are four dudes right there that have just kind of – it's like it's been, okay, they're about to get – nope, they're actually not going to get pushed. I mean, you could put Buddy Murphy up you there. You could put Buddy Murphy in Buddy, there as well. Buddy Murphy put on two oh, just yeah. spectacular Notice what matches. all those five guys have in common? Size. Yes. Here's what I uh, – here's a problem that I have. You mentioned Andrade. The first thing – that I saw on my Facebook feed earlier this week was a video of Andrade for Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. A guy that you told needed to learn English yeah. is the face of your Hispanic Heritage Month for WWE. That is so hypocritical. There's just there are a lot of guys that if you're not big enough, you're not going to get a bunch of chances. Andrade but if you're big, even, but no. he's, not, he's small. not small. And look, I, I know. Look, I don't want to make this comparison just because you can make a comparison to Andrade and any number of other people. But Eddie Guerrero proves Andrade can work. Yes. And I don't just mean yeah. like from a nationality perspective. I'm saying Eddie in China worked. You've got a perfect mouthpiece for Andrade in Zelina Vega. You had a built-in king of the ring right there because you had a queen that could have talked for him, and we would you would have had both of them there. That being said, Baron Corbin's been really good over the last six to eight weeks. Since he's come back out of this Lacey Evans thing and just shown back up, I don't know if he went home and really started to work harder or whatever it was, and he's been in the ring with some good people. Baron Corbin has had three or four matches in a row that deserve props. He is he is demonstrably better than he was six months ago, and credit to him for that. And not wearing the, you know, wedding bartender vest probably didn't hurt. No, I mean he he has put on some bangers, quite frankly, in the last month or so. That Chad Gable match Monday for on both of their accounts. Well, was you can awesome. you can kind of tell that see that one coming. Yes. Um, I think they once worked in NXT. I'm not sure if it was a part of American Alpha and if Baron Corbin had a. Uh, tag partner or not but it might have just been a singles match but there was a uh kind of a tilt-a-whirl hurricane rana that was countered into the end of days yeah. that's one of the best looking counters mm-hmm. i've ever seen like those two had chemistry and check it was it just came, amazing yeah he, he's phenomenal and when it came down to those two in the finals of the king of the ring i knew that it was going to be a great match specifically because i remember the match that they had in nxt but at the same time like we're going to just saddle him with a king gimmick now. And and it's going to be annoying, and it's going to make people go go away heat on him again. Yeah, you don't, you're going to make me totally forget about the Just because you win King of the about. Ring does not mean you have to have a king gimmick. That's right. Yeah. But if you do that gimmick, it has to be a heel that does it because it turns into a, it turns into a bad – it's bad every single time. It, it's never a good thing for the – except, I guess, for Booker T. He was able to sort of pull it off. Steve Austin. Yeah, but he didn't ever call himself right. a king. Like right. he didn't there, need it. There's your lesson. Right. Triple there, him, the lesson he to didn't. Be Triple player. H didn't. Brock Lesnar didn't. Kurt Angle didn't. Those are four dudes right there. I'd rather emulate than Mabel. Billy Gunn, Mabel, King Mabel, who went like full on with it. 
I mean, you could put Harley in there, but that wasn't even a King of the Ring tournament. They just put a King gimmick on him because he dared to be a competitor Macho Man, in St. Louis. Macho King worked because you had Queen Sherry and like you, you had some things there. But yeah, what you're about to, the problem is you didn't get us away from Baron Corbin enough to push him hard again and not have people turn on him again. But his ring work has been better. I've enjoyed watching him as a heel. I I thought this whole tournament was very good. In He's terms still, of in the ring, at, at, in the at the end of the day, like Baron Corbin is still trying to like outrun the stink from his constable gimmick, which last wasn't year. his fault. No, it wasn't his it fault. It's what he was written to do, and then he had to go out there and say he was the cause of the ratings and Stephanie killing him and all that stuff. It's like, no, your father's the cause of this because he's the one that set all this in motion. They said that in January. Yeah. And now they want to push the guy to the moon again in August. But I mean, he was in the main event against Seth Rollins three months ago. And that was awful, too. It was bad, and he had to take him and Lacey away from TV for a month. He comes back, he starts having bangers, and now they're going to put him as a king of the ring? Like, they're just going to make people hate him again. Before we move on too much further, talking about Raw, you mentioned earlier Roderick Strong and being just a great worker who knows how to work with guys, put guys over. We said the same thing about Cesaro, and you actually made that comparison. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Cesaro working for the better good of the company and the guys in that locker room. I don't want to see Cesaro losing to Rey Mysterio in 2019. I'm still not even sure I want to see Rey Mysterio in 2019. Yeah, Rey's still really good to me, but the, the way that they booked that. Rey, the way that they just, booked Rey, there's nothing that you could do to make me care about Rey Mysterio Jr. in 2019. Nothing, because you you've already done it. I've already seen him beat the Giants. Well, I mean, Cesaro puts over everybody. I mean, that's what a carpenter does. And that's but he thing. doesn't. Why? Rey Mysterio is Rey Mysterio. He's a Hall of Famer. There's no reason for. He just answered. He's a Hall of Famer. There's no reason for that match to even be taking place, is what I'm Not saying. Not like Cesaro won't be in the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, come on. I mean, look at the list of the folks that are not in the Hall of Fame. Unless you've, like, killed somebody, you're probably able to get into the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, still sometimes when you've killed somebody. At least for the time. It depends on, depends on your timing and what you've done since. <laughs> That's a that's a tough conversation to have right there. <laughs> so the Cedric thing made us mad, but there were other things that were just disgusting and just absolutely atrocious. I know we need to talk about the fiend, and we'll do that as well. But when we come back, is it possible to like just kill a contract and send Mike and Maria away? Because I don't I don't understand any of this whatsoever. We'll try to make heads or tails of it and fail next. It's Squared Circle Radio on one zero four five the zone. Square Circle Radio 104.5, The Zone, here on this Sunday, September the 22nd, 2019, along with Brandon Hagney and David Reed. I'm Jason Martin. Titans not playing today. They've already played this week, so you won't hear that on Titans Radio later on this morning. I love how you even refuse to even let this song breathe anymore. I didn't want to breathe when I heard this song start. Like, personally, (laughs) I didn't want to breathe. I want to make one one other point before we talk about this, about um, NXT, because I saw you guys tweet it out from our account uh, the night before NXT, night before I saw it, as I didn't see it until the next day. You remember me making that point a couple of weeks ago that it would be good if we saw some of these guys on Raw or SmackDown. And so I go and I watch NXT, and like as everybody's being introduced, it's like Morrow's got a sheet of paper in front of him, and he has to give the nickname and why this person matters that no one's ever laid eyes yeah, he's, on before. He's, you know, you get the backstage vignette, with Velveteen Dream looking in the mirror and one literally 
Morrow says, if you've never seen Velveteen Dream before, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Which could have been uh, could have been accomplished by having Velveteen Dream work on Monday instead of, I don't know, having a gender reveal party. Mm. I, I, I mean, when that post was put up that that was going to happen, you said, what's the chances? 5% this isn't a complete embarrassment. And I said, maybe they use this for the sole profits to say we're tired of not mattering. We're tired profits. of not – yeah, sorry, street profits. Um, but that's not what it was. It was just more of the yeah, same. The, the answer to my question of was how could this not be an embarrassment is if WWE would have canceled it. Yeah, and not ever announced that it was going to happen to begin with because they embarrassed themselves as soon as it was actually revealed. I don't know where this is going. I don't know how long it's going to go. I don't know how many people are going to be the father because well, it's not Rusev. It was not Ricochet. I don't know what they're doing. I have no clue. All I know is it has made me not ever want to lay eyes on Maria or Mike Bennett ever again for any reason. Like, it has totally killed them. I don't know if that was the purpose, but one thing that needs to stop happening if you're Vince McMahon in WWE is you don't need to punish people while other people are watching the product. Like, you don't need to punish this person for doing something that you didn't like by humiliating them and making your viewing audience... Watch terrible television. That's not going to help you. Well, you ask how much longer can it go on. It can't go on too much longer because she looks like she is about to go at any moment. Yeah. She's a very pregnant woman at this point. I don't know. It's it's like Mike Bennett has done something in the past to wrong Vince McMahon, and this is just him, his grand scheme to ruin him for the rest well, of his he did. career. He did do something wrong. What did he do? Got pregnant the first, she got pregnant the first time. He went to rehab. He went to rehab. It came back. They re-signed for five years, and then she got pregnant immediately again. And they're like, "Really? We're going to sign you, and you're going to do this? That's what this is." Oh, well, okay. Then, then cut bait and let him go. Like, well, you you feel you feel that you've been wrong that much that you need to put them on. Take up time of people on television. That's the problem. That yes, that's the problem. If you want to, if you want to, like treat because them you're like punishing garbage, me too. Just pay them and sit them at home. If you have to, if you have to pay out that contract, pay them, pay them. But you don't have to use them. No, you can pretty much hold their career hostage for years. And just, and then and in the meantime, you're putting stink on people like Ricochet and Rusev too by oh, involving yeah. them in this entire ludicrous thing. And also, the Rusev thing is even more an insult to our intelligence because we know who Rusev is married to. Yes. We've seen it on Instagram. We've seen it on Twitter. We've, We've seen, seen it on, on television. TV. We've seen all of these kinds of things. But even if, like, you're that person that doesn't believe anything you see in pro wrestling, oh, they're not really married, or whatever like that, it doesn't even matter. Everybody knows that those two are tied right. together, so no one believes this. So Rusev just showed up to beat up Mike Bennett for no reason because he's not going to be revealed to be the father. It's going to be somebody new and there's going to be somebody new again, and they're just going to keep it going. But this is how you bring Rusev back. Like, you've had three people come back in the last, what, three, four weeks-ish, somewhere in there. You had Sasha Banks show back up, pretty big spot. You had Luke Harper show up on Sunday. In a very big spot. Pretty big spot. And you had Rusev show up and go after Mike Kanellis in the ring in the worst storyline maybe since Katie Vick. We were trying to discuss that during the break. What else raises to the level of just I mean, being tasteless that was longer than just one night? Yeah, and you mentioned in the break when we were discussing it, like, you know, the one-night things of Paige bringing up Reed Flair. Yes. Or what was the other one that you Ambrose and Ambrose leukemia. and leukemia thing with Roman Reigns. Like, yes, those things were incredibly tasteless at the time, but they were more or less dropped Even after Stephanie one week. McMahon and like her, even, like, beheading 
line that she, when she was talking about Saudi Arabia. And WWE sort of realized pretty quickly, like, ah. But they, they, they're they they not dumb a, enough to not know what this is, and they're still doing like, it. This is a thing that we have now been subjected to for at least a month. Like, it took a, it took a little bit of a break, but it's, it's back, back with, yeah. in full force. Back full steam ahead two weeks before the draft begins or pretty close to two weeks before the draft begins two weeks before aew begins they're about to separate the roster what you're seeing on tv right now and hell in a cell being two weeks away is them getting to the end of storylines before they separate the rosters for a long long time away from each other so they're putting some matches together you're not going to get to see until Vince changes his mind and decides to let people start cropping over onto both shows again, if that happens. <laughs> Which will be a couple of If the ratings are down, that. that'll be the first move they make because the reason they're making this move is because they think that this is going to pull the ratings, even though it was the wild card rule that actually sustained ratings a little bit by putting Reigns and some of those guys on both shows during the summer. Well, and here's the thing about it, too. That just being said, you know what would have been a great time to bring Rusev back? During the draft. Oh, yeah. I mean, we bring a lot of these people back you during the draft. You just flash his photo up there, and you get the reaction that you would have expected to get from Rusev, and not just this. I mean, it was it was all, it was was a visceral reaction when I heard his music hit. Like, it was as much as I want to see the guy, this is not the spot. This is so belittling, not only to the people involved, but the audience. Monday was all about one thing. Monday was about getting the fiend over. It was just, about... Hold on. Are we still at Canellas? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I was trying so hard I, I to get to Bray want, Wyatt. Like I I don't think we can possibly be hyperbolic about this. No, I agree with you on like, that. Like there is no hyperbole to be had with this storyline. Everyone involved is being dragged down as if it's an anchor. The street profits, Titus O'Neil, Ricochet, Rusev, everybody that was in that room. For some reason, I have totally forgotten her name. There was another one in that squad, room. Not oh, Liv Morgan. Not Sarah Rick. Logan. Sarah Logan was in yeah. that room for some reason. Yeah. She's being drugged down yeah. because of this, even though she was only on camera for about three seconds. Everyone involved in this storyline is just, like, dying a horrible death in front of people, like, in front of a live It's 10 to 15 audience. times worse than the 24-7 at its worst. And, I mean, those are guys it you is, know don't matter, and it's still at least somewhat this, funny. This is without question. The worst thing WWE has done in at least a day. This is May Young in the question. hand and Billy Kidman on Nitro in 2000 being a voyeur taking sex tapes of his own wife and stuff with other people. And, like, that's the level of quality that we're getting out of this. Monday's about getting The Fiend over because we're doing The Fiend and Seth Rollins real fast, real fast here, and he's pretty much got to win. Hey, we're 45 days away from Halloween. Well, let me, it's going to happen you now. Cannot, I want that man lose. I want to make a point that our show appreciates maybe more so than anyone else. Mayor Jacobs was at the show in Knoxville on Monday night. He's, he's good and everything. Like He was funny. He was, he was good in the back when it was just him. Then he shows up as Kane at the end, and the Fiend takes him out. Nice of him to show up, and he could easily tell them, hey, I can be there for the end of the show because <laughs> it's only a 10-minute drive to the cut. Like, this ain't, I've got to be in the first segment so I can drive home. Like, no, we're in my county here. Yeah, you can put me on at 9.55. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be home. I can, I can grab a late dinner. I thought all of that was great, by the way. It was great. It was. The stuff with him and R-Truth. You know, as soon as you saw him show up, you're like, oh, well, the Fiend's coming. This is how this is going to end. Is the Fiend taking? But I did think, I'm like, that is the mayor. 
Like, are there no officials, no police security in attendance? They're gonna go like, like I feel this like, is like this is like Glenn Jacobs Commissioner is Gordon getting shot on the steps by the Joker, and everybody's just like. Well, it's a wrestling ring, so I guess that's what's going to happen to the mayor. I guess he's like, on his own while he's being choked out in the ring by the fiend. I'm pretty sure you can't just waltz into <laughs> Mayor Jacobs' office right now and just, like, hit him in the face. I kind of wish the, that's how they had done it, is, like, they did, like, a cutaway to the to Glenn Jacobs in his office. Like, always good to have WWE here. I credit them for a lot of my... <laughs> the fiend comes up from behind and mandible claws him in his office. Like the fiend gets arrested. <laughs> Fiend's in, Fiend is like Heath Ledger in jail in the dark night, like sitting there behind the bars. Before we move forward with the Fiend, and, and I put this, I, I texted this to you guys in our group chat on Monday. Bray Wyatt does a Firefly Funhouse yeah. in the first segment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. Seth Rollins is trying to like respond to the Firefly Funhouse as if it's just like live via satellite. <laughs> That Bray Wyatt's backstage cutting a promo and he can respond and Bray Wyatt can hear him. No, like, we, that might was the very one well have been the dumbest thing I have seen a WWE babyface do Seth in was years. Like, Bray, man, you're sick, man. We can get you some help, like being cut off because Firefly Funhouse not live in the building. No, the only thing that made it worse was he was cut off by a hand puppet. <laughs> like we talk about Rambo this all and the, Rabbit cut him off. We right? talk about this all the time. Like we used to go. Baby faces used to get over the heels. They used to get past the heels by using their cunning and yeah, intelligence. Yeah, they were outsmarting. They were the heels cheated because they were, they were dumb. Yes. They, they their outsmarting was breaking rules, and they would always be outsmarted, and they would end up with the manure on their face or the slime or whatever. They'd nowadays, be they'd end up in the oatmeal. The lowest IQ is whoever's being pushed as a baby face nowadays. Seth, <laughs> baby face Seth Rollins is hella dumb. It'd been like, awesome just, if like Bray just gets quiet on the screen. Next week in the Firefly Funhouse, he's like, I just want to make sure if Seth Rollins is out there cutting a promo that I give him time to respond because he clearly doesn't know that this is a taped. Pee-wee's Playhouse is not live on CBS on Saturday mornings. The IQ, Seth Rollins' IQ for some reason just falls 100 points whenever he's a babyface. <laughs> like, that dude is hella dumb when he's a babyface. I still have my doubts this Fiend thing is going to work long term, but, man, it does create some great visuals in the short term. Sunday night with him and Seth on the top of the ramp. Monday night with and Seth Monday in the corner in, was fantastic. With that darkness and that mask is tremendous. I don't know what they're going to do in the cell. I don't know. I feel like the Fiend has to win unless the Undertaker shows up. But if the Undertaker shows up, is he going to put the Fiend over at Survivor Series? I doubt it. So I tend to think the Fiend's going to be the champion. I mean, if you want, listen, there, we could have a conversation about the short-sightedness of moving this character this far this fast if you're moving it this fast you better you, go all the you way can't lose no absolutely we'll be back with one more segment we can't lose unless we have to talk about canellis anymore brandon might have more notes be right no, back squared circle radio 104.5 the zone Final segment of the program here on this Sunday morning, Squared Circle Radio. Glad to have you with us. Hope you're doing well. We are Brandon Hagney, David Reed with me. I'm Jason Martin. David's at David Reed Radio. Brandon's at Hag Haney. I'm at J Mart Zone. We are at Zone Wrestling. Did we adjudicate this Fiend thing? The Fiend has to win. We pretty much said that. It's October. It feels like they're pushing this character because it's this month because it doesn't seem like, I mean, how did he even earn a title shot? He'd only worked in one official match, right? He beat Finn Balor. Yeah. Apparently it. he just shows up and like attacks somebody. Of course, and all Brock of a sudden, did the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what you got to do when you're on that level. 
But there are uh, fiend masks to sell at WWE shop. You need to get those out there in time for yeah. Halloween. Can't yeah. wait! Just can't wait to start seeing. You can't wear these masks into buildings. But you can go buy one for forty five dollars. Exactly. That's <laughs> that. That being my that being my entire point. Look, the mask yeah. is tremendous. Like that mask is legitimately pretty frightening. Like the way that it's all set and set up and everything else. I still just I've seen too much bad horror stuff from Vince McMahon, even with that guy, with Bray Wyatt, to believe that a year from now we're still going to feel this way about The Fiend. I can enjoy it for right now. I can enjoy just the kind of -of out-of-the-box nature of it all. And Bray is clearly a genius because all the good of this is from him. Like, he has totally embraced it, written it through, thought it through. Problem is, ultimately, Vince is going to make some bad decision at some point, and it's going to turn into a walking joke. I'm afraid. The only I, I can do without the swirling searchlights that may or may not give me a, a seizure at some point. Other than that, I mean, what, I, I, the way it's been handled has been great. I just don't. I have no faith. You have to, right. You, I guess I want to know what the end game will be and work back from that because it feels you've like. That, you've touched that stove too many times. Yeah, because it feels like we've jumped Absolutely. into something with Bray Wyatt and we have no way out of it. I feel don't like know we are, gonna go well, listen, I'm going to keep the stove analogy alive. I feel like we are frogs in a pot on a burner right now. Slow boil. Slow boil. Not realizing what's about to happen here. I mean, we've seen Bray Wyatt in Hell in a Cell before. And there was a hologram that popped up in the ring during that match. And it was not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, it did not go particularly well. Also, I've apologized to Eric Rowan a couple of times over the past couple of weeks. His promo Tuesday, which wasn't his fault because it was scripted for him, Michael Cole reading scripted questions to him in a sit-down was not great. That interview Tuesday, I was like, all right, he's done. Yeah. That, that promo's <laughs> trash. I mean, that promo is just absolutely dreadful i was just like yeah how about uh, this is pure dennis green for me i'm like yeah he is who i thought he was like i know we're sort of just clearing the bag here in this in this last segment but how about uh wwe trying to get kevin owens his job back by a a wrongful termination lawsuit that's that's exactly what stone cold steve austin would have done guys filed a lawsuit yeah for money that's like a drop in the bucket to the person involved like the only thing i thought about was maybe this is like when Stone Cold became the commissioner or the CEO of the WWE after the higher power angle and that Vince or that Kevin Owens is doing what Shane McMahon would do to Kevin Owens, which is go through all these proper channels legally and all this other kind of deal. But yeah, it's lame. Kevin Owens knows this is bad too. You know, he does. I'm sitting here wondering, is he actually going to show up on NXT in a couple of weeks? Is this going somewhere I don't want to see another Shane McMahon-Kevin Owens match. I have no interest in any of this, but I don't see where else it's going either. There's a lot of people I can actually say that about, and I tend to think we're getting to the draft, so we're closing some we're closing some angles and we're closing some highways, and basically the company's going to reset in a few weeks, and that that's sort of what we're doing is getting to that point where they've With got Brock the draft Lesnar scheduled. WWE champion. Exactly, and maybe the fiend. Which is going to be, which is going to feel like a hell of a reset, because it's largely what we've seen over the last four years. But we could have predicted it. In fact, we did predict it. Brock being champion on Fox out of the gates is not a shock. What would be a shock is if Kofi beat Brock on that first SmackDown, because no one would see that coming. But this is Vince McMahon. Do you know how many times? Can you imagine being Roman Reigns? 
if Kofi beats Brock Lesnar, Roman's like, dude, I lost to him like eight times in a row, and they pushed me for years at a time. This dude's lost to him once. Now he's beating him because he lost to him in the Beast in the East thing. And that was in like three minutes. Yeah, and that was him and Xavier and Big E, right? Wasn't it like all of the New Day, basically? More, pretty much. I mean, Kofi, I think, was the one in the match, I think. But it didn't even matter. But look, when you see Brock, you know something important is kind of happening. He's got a little bit of facial hair right now. Looked a little bit different. The F5 on Kofi looked good. And when I see Brock, I think the WWE is trying to tell me something important is happening. Yeah, Brock Lesnar beat not. Kofi Kingston in that match in 236. Yeah, and then hit him with like three more F5s. Yeah. That, was a, that was very much a... Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar kind of moment. There. Well, that's three years ago, though. Kofi's grown so much. Four years ago. Was it really? Yep. July wow. 4th, 2015. I remember that show. Watched I woke up at 4 a.m. Yeah. to watch that show, man. Watched that thing early in the morning. I'm like Finn Balor and Kevin Owens on that show. Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, that was the ladder match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NXT Championship. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was decent enough. But Lesnar being on Fox is not a surprise. Jericho worked Neville on that show. Jericho and Neville. Both. Both AEW superstars. Yeah, we could see that in a couple of weeks. Which, a- you said this. I want to we'll talk about this in the last couple of minutes. The consensus that I heard following the NXT show was, AEW's got them dominated if this is what they're going to bring. That was a consensus from the like really? high-end wrestling media uh, the day after was that what we just saw, AEW has a chance to completely blow them out of the water. And that's exactly the opposite of what you said to us in the text chain when you said their roster is loaded. It's, it's AEW stacked, cannot man. compete with this. Like, AEW can obviously compete on, on the top because I think AEW's top of the top yes. is better than NXT's top of the top. Right. You've got Jericho and you've got Moxley and Kenny Omega and Cody and, and, the yada, Bucks, yada, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I think that you can you can argue that AEW's top is a lot better. Not a lot better, but it's better than NXT's top. But when NXT can run out Kushida in the second Man. hour of that show on Wednesday. Walter versus Kushida is a match I want to watch. Walter and Kushida. Like even, even Kushida's been a guy who has been not super featured since they signed him. No. Like I mean, he he did the whole you know, wave to the live crowd at a takeover as the new signing bit. Like, he's had a couple of matches, a couple of vignettes, but he hasn't been on a takeover yet, hasn't been challenging for any championships yet. That dude is still a bigger star than 75% of AEW's roster, and that is a guy that NXT hasn't really used yet. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that they can bring out a Keith Lee, they can bring out Dijakovic, like, that match is going to be... You yeah, know, that thing is going to be a banger. Like every that time. thing is going to yeah. be a banger next week when they put it the out. The guy there. that they wasn't on TV at all this week was Gargano. They didn't Gargano. use it at all. He, he can show up next week and be a total new debut for people. Champa's going to be coming back pretty soon. That is that, another huge topic. And they've of got the, UK. It looks like they're starting, you know, Pete Dunn, Walter, Tyler Bate. Like, there are guys that can come out of the woodwork and do this. All right, we're out of time. There's no pay per view tonight. It will be in a couple weeks. I'll be gone for a couple weeks, but I'll talk to you guys again. Pretty soon. I'll say that. That's it. Square Circle Radio, 104.5 Zone.